Welcome to The Gen Z Journey, where we work with you through an entrepreneurial lens to build a wholesome perspective on life and build both our business and personal dreams together. Join our community on Facebook, Instagram, and LinkedIn at Gen Z Journey. A person who thinks all the time has nothing to think about except thoughts. So, he loses touch with reality and lives in a world of illusions. By thoughts, I mean specifically chatter in the skull, perpetual and compulsive repetition of words, of reckoning and calculating. I'm not saying that thinking is bad. Like everything else, it's useful in moderation. A good servant, but a bad master. And all so-called civilized peoples have increasingly become crazy and self-destructive because through excessive thinking they have lost touch with reality. That's to say, we confuse science with the real world. So, hello and welcome to another Gen Z Journey podcast. I am just so excited for today's podcast honestly um we're, we're in collaboration working with the two percent podcast which is a first time ever um for the gen z journey uh, i don't know about the the two percent we'll ask them in one minute but i'm so excited not only for the, for to be collaborating with them but also to be to talking about the topic we're talking this week um on our kind of discussion on our chin wag um so Without further ado, I think we should just get straight into things. You should, you guys should meet the 2% first and then we'll get onto the topic of overthinking, which is the topic for this week. So, Ryan, Josh, I'd love you to introduce yourselves and introduce the 2% podcast so our listeners can get to know you. Amazing. Cheers, Rio. No, great to be here and excited to, to chat about overthinking. So, yes, I'm Ryan, one half of the co-hosts of 2%. So the 2% podcast is all about living life to the fullest. And it's under this idea that 2% of people are, they're doing exactly that. They're killing it. They're doing what they want to do. They're chasing their passions. And we decided to start a podcast around this topic because that's a super low number and to then connect the dots around that as well. So to really interview those people and the people trying to become the 2% and to connect the dots around that. So really excited to be here today. Absolutely, absolutely. And Josh, go ahead, just introduce yourself, the other half of the of the 2% podcast. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, excited to be here, guys. So Josh Carwood here, uh, one half of the 2%. And as Ryan said, so we, we set it up really with the mission just to interview these people that were actually living their lives to the fullest, part of this 2%, not 2% of wealth or anything like that, but 2% mindset in terms of taking opportunities, uh, embracing all that life has to offer, and really just finding out what makes these people tick and what keeps a smile on their face. Hey, and, and the 2% mindset is a wealth in itself. You know, that that's a wealth that you can't make through your work and your job. It's something that you make through the way you act and the way you think. So uh, it's a, it's a wealth of its own. Absolutely. And I mean, it's been a pleasure to meet these two gentlemen as well and, and see all the great stuff that they're doing with the podcast. It's why we wanted to get them on. Um, and, and this week's article on the topic of overthinking is also in collaboration with them. We worked on it together um, and we produced it together. And it, I, I think it's a really great, great um 
article for people to go and read uh, and then obviously if you're now listening to us here and, and listening to us discuss it then that's that's excellent as well but boys let's get on to the topic of overthinking i love this topic it's a it's a topic i have a very intimate experience with um in my life um and so i think we should just kind of start around that like what is let's define it what is overthinking and how is it kind of dangerous or harmful to people yeah i can i can jump in on that say i don't have sort of a, a textbook definition but in terms of overthinking for me it's thinking beyond a point that is that is useful and that is positive and, and when it sort of becomes negative on, on your energy um so for example i think a lot of people can confuse overthinking with just thinking itself and thinking in itself is a very useful thing you need to think about the options right it's not just um act immediately and, and don't think at all but the point at which your thinking becomes detrimental to your mental health and your thinking and thinking and thinking um, usually in the past about something or in the future about something to come. Um, that is when we can call it overthinking and when it can be, be detrimental. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I actually have a perfect example for that. Uh, I, I'm actually currently working on my web development business with my partner. And one of the things that we're deciding on is branding. And branding, uh, I can't tell you how much I've overthought branding for both Gen Z Journey and my new business, Unleash BP. It's been constant overthinking. And then I realized that I've wasted so much time and so much potential on uh, overthinking rather than just acting and then working with what I have to improve it. Mm-hmm. And uh, I'm going to give a shout out to our, our newest member that people are going to week this, they're going to meet this week, actually, um, on this podcast. So we have our, our newest and our first female member of the Gen Z journey has joined us over these past few weeks. Um, and she's going to be introduced on the Sunday. And she, I would say, Aaron, um, I just ask you on this as well. Like she's been amazing for us just to help stop overthinking in some senses as well you know me and you we both have a tendency towards it i know i definitely have a tendency towards overthinking things just on the simple level as well it doesn't have to be too difficult it can be things just like instagram posts you know it's super easy to overthink the the messaging behind like uh, a caption or all of those kind of things and for me she's been really really good at just like you know we don't need we don't need to to think too much about this it just let's just write the caption and let's just go with it you know um so i i think that's been been really good a really good balance so a shout out to her uh, and stay tuned to meet her on sunday this week for a bonus podcast um but yeah i just wanted to give that give that little plug in there yeah i love that i think what you've referred to there is called decision fatigue and it's a really interesting concept so if you're not familiar the idea is that you only have a certain amount of energy to put towards decisions every day And as you make more and more decisions and you spend more and more time making those decisions, that level, that energy level, the resources that you can put towards that decision-making that depletes. And so that's a, that's the part of the reason why it's not about the number of decisions that you make, but also the speed in which you make them is, is a really big factor. And so if you are thinking, right, I've got this to do, I've got that to do, I've got a hundred things to do. You can get those hundred things done. You just have to do them twice as quick or 10 times as quick, you know? Um, I think prioritization is always a massive thing and it's often the most cited thing to be like, okay, you have to only do three things, five things. That's great. And it's a great tool, but people often forget about decision fatigue and just say, just do things faster. Yeah. 
I have a question for you then, Ryan, because uh, uh, I actually quote uh, Jeff Bezos uh, quite often, and Jeff Bezos uh, specifically states that he doesn't have meetings before 10 a.m. And, you know, he ends meetings usually by 2 p.m., but he only makes three decisions. So uh, it, he believes that there is a, that it's actually better to make uh, only a few decisions and allocate all his resources to those big decisions. So uh, you say that it's important to make them quickly. What do you think about that and the other perspective of, uh, of making good decisions and quality decisions and only making a few instead? Mm. I think it's a balance. I think the quality of the decision isn't necessarily correlated to the speed. So you can make good decisions quickly. They're not mutually exclusive. I think it's probably also dependent on who you are and what you're working on. So, and also what the decision is therefore. So if the decision is what to wear in the morning and you take three hours, well, you're doing something wrong. But if the decision is what, if the decision is to I don't know, to, to buy a new robotics company or whatever Amazon are up to. And yeah, fine. You probably can't do that in, in 15 minutes, but I think, yeah, I'm, I'm not Jeff Bezos, right? Like if you're a busy, busy CEO and you've got all of these things coming at you from your, your C-suite and, it, and it's in your inbox, it's on your desk, whatever, you have to make your meeting super important. So I get that. But I think, I think it's finding the balance for you around, making decisions that are of good quality but also acknowledging that often you just aren't doing things quick enough and if you do it 80 percent as good and twice as fast that's better rather than taking a whole lot longer you know yeah and i think you actually brought up a good point there of uh using the perfect example of choosing your outfit in the day you know there's a there's a prioritization you know when we when i talk about someone like jeff bezos you know, he says that he makes three big decisions a day for Amazon, but in reality, he still has all his other daily decisions that he makes every single day. Uh, and, uh, you know, something like uh, something like changing his outfit or choosing his outfit for a day, I doubt he puts much effort into it. And that's, that's an important concept to grasp is that prioritization that you're talking about and being able to understand, hey, you know, I shouldn't put half an hour into choosing my outfit and getting ready every morning. Let me put only two minutes into that. Let me use that half an hour instead to make that quality decision on how I'm going to uh, manage my finances for my business or how I'm going to uh, bring on more clients or whatever you decide to do for uh, for your bigger decisions of the day. I think one of the important things to consider as well is the amount of people you bring in to help you with that decision. So increasing the number of people involved in the decision can help overthinking. Like you mentioned at uh, uh, Gen Z, you've brought in this new girl and she's brought a new perspective in and that's helped you to just make the decisions quicker because she's not as attached maybe to, to the outcomes. However, coming back to Jeff Bezos again, he also has a, a two pizza rule, I believe, which is that he'll only have a meeting if he can feed everyone in there with just two pizzas. And the reason for that is because if you bring too many people in the room and everyone's putting in their inputs, no decisions will get made at all. So there's a fine balance between listening to other people's opinions, taking them on board, having different perspectives, but not trying to please absolutely everyone. Or again, you'll start overthinking and never make a decision. Well, that's very unfortunate because Jeff Bezos would never have a meeting with me then because I'd have two pieces to myself. <laughs> um, but I wanted to bring in a, a kind of another thing in this area. I've been watching a YouTuber over these past like kind of couple of weeks. It's called Nate O'Brien. 
Um, and he talks about, he lives a, a minimalist lifestyle, right? Um, and he talks about this overthinking, this headspace, and how that minimalist lifestyle creates that a lot. And I wanted to get your guys' kind of opinions on that, um, of, of what you think around it. So a, a rough summary of, of that minimalist lifestyle, you know, he doesn't have anything that he doesn't need, um, to the point in which, you know, he lives in a city, uh, there's no point in him buying a bike because there's a potential of it getting stolen or, you know, the cost of ownership of a bike. So he just subscribes to a bike rental um, each month. It's like $10 a month. Um, and then he can just use these bikes in the city that they have. That's an example of that minimalist lifestyle, you know. Um, again, in the home, it's not having like clutter everywhere. Anything you don't need, it gets rid of. Um, the desk spaces are very, very simple. The kitchen spaces are simple. And again, just it's in the name minimalist. It's you, you don't have the things you don't need. Um, and, and again, with the again with an example of his clothing, he wears very very similar stuff. He has outfits just in the wardrobe that he goes and picks out in the morning, so he doesn't have to waste time spending making decision making um, using that decision making energy on kind of more useless tasks of like what you're wearing or what you're eating in the morning or things like that. That's all prepped, all done, all planned. You know. Um, so I wanted to get your guys' opinion on that. Like, what do you think about that minimalist lifestyle? How does that relate to to overthinking and um, just yeah, creating that headspace for you? Yeah, it's interesting. I think for me, it comes down to what do you want to be minimalist for? And if you can't answer that question, you don't need to be minimalist. So for me, my desk space is really important. So I know that every day when I'm when I go to sleep and every time I get up, like. I, my space where I work has to be clear at the start of it of every day whether that's just I've just put everything in a drawer and I've just swept it all away or I've I've dealt with everything for the day like and that's just my preference it's not minimalist but it's clearing my sort of workspace to make more room in my headspace when I come to come to the desk every day and I think if you apply that to other areas of your lifestyle you have to think why and ask why and so you don't have to wear the same t-shirt every day you know that's not what minimalism is about but for that particular individual wearing the same thing every day is something they don't care about too much whereas if you do care about it then calm you, you take as long as you want you have as much choice as you like because that's something you care about but you might be minimalist in other areas so yeah i think you have to pick and choose how and where and then if you want to take it to a further further extreme and remove materialism and remove you know this kind of consumerism kind of things i think minimalism gets a lot of stick for being anti a lot of things i think it's not i think it's pro everything else that it wants to accentuate you know and i think that's that's where people get the idea of it wrong but um yeah there's a couple of couple of two cents on that and i think uh, i think the first thing that comes to mind for me from what you just said Rio, and what you said ryan uh is that te technique that we spoke about in the article the technique of labeling uh, and being able to have your your thoughts kind of flow in, in your head and then being able to label those thoughts and those ideas uh within your head and be able to choose which ones you want to continue to uh exacerbate and develop in your life uh, you know, for some people, uh, like you said, Ryan, some people choose to to uh, 
take the time to choose their outfits for the day. And that might be someone that, that's a, a fashion designer, you know, maybe that's what, what their life is all about, but they might be minimalist in other areas of their life, like you said. Uh, for me, I, I think I'm a very minimalist person and just uh, the, the things that I bring into my life. I'm a very minimalist person in the amount of uh, decisions and choices I make in my overall life. And I like bringing in uh, uh, good choices, but very small amount of choices. And, you know, a lot of people like trying a uh, hundred different things in their life and uh, in the course of a year, you know, a hundred different new activities just to see what they like and they don't like. For me, I, I like to take the time to pick and choose and only choose uh, one or two things to try out for that year. And I, I and I do it because for me, that's how I work uh, as a minimalist sense. And I do it because that's what I label as important for me. And so that that's my take on on what you just said. Yeah, I, I like the fact that you've made a connection to the mind that Aaron, because I, I was going to say that I think um, minimalism as a lifestyle is not for everybody in terms of getting rid of your possessions. Some people, you know, like to have different items. They like to keep things things that they don't you know they might only pull out the attic every five years um but i think one, one thing that everybody can benefit from is taking a more minimalist approach to their mind and and trying to only keep in there what you actually need um for example coming back to an example in the article around interview questions you know fill in your mind with a hundred different variations of interview questions that may be asked is irrelevant information because it's you know you don't know until you get there but so trying to take that approach of having what's in your in your mind what is necessary i think that's where minimalism can be really beneficial to to stopping overthinking yeah that's a really good point actually i hadn't thought about it in that way of just like yeah related just to the mind rather than your physical environment and a lot of the time the physical environment and your mental state is very kind of intertwined more than you'd think that's for sure um which is why I liked Ryan what you said about you know your desk has to be clear in the morning when you wake up and when you go to to bed in the evening because that's just kind of a mind space headspace thing of of just it that represents your mind when you wake up and when you go to bed is you've done the task for the day and when you wake up it's fresh ready ready to do that those creative tasks you know um and I think this is a great segue when we're talking about kind of that mind um, headspace and stuff is, is to talk about that very thing headspace the application um, Ryan Josh Aaron you're all big users of it I, I actually don't have it so I should maybe try it out um, but definitely let's speak a little bit on the application and how that's helped you guys with your um, kind of your headspace and just reducing the the stuff that you don't need in your mind yeah I, I'm, a, I'm gonna let Josh take the floor on that one since he brought that up in the the article and I think it was a good segue to just understanding how to grow your mindset yeah 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 no problem so I think meditation for me certainly and for for a lot of people when when it's mentioned it can seem like a very daunting thing like something unnatural almost like what is this world I know nothing about it and I think Headspace and, and the team over there have done a really good job of creating an application that makes it very simple and helps to explain it to beginners and get started in a, in a very user-friendly way and that can be as simple as learning their basic meditation packs which is sort of guided they talk you through just sitting there and and listening to your thoughts or it could be even simpler and you know they have sort of soundscapes on there that you can just chill out to and take a, a like a moment out of your day but I think yeah the thing that I mentioned in the article was around noting and 
and what I really like about Headspace and, and the narrator on that is that they they sort of predict what you're going to do. So I was sat there feeling really restless halfway through a, a meditation session, thinking, what am I doing? This is a waste of time. I'm going to get up and do something productive. And then he'll pop in my ear and say, don't feel like this is a waste of time. Just sit and chill out <laughs> and <laughs> listen to, you know, listen to your thoughts. And you're like, oh, damn, right. Okay. Like this is normal what I'm feeling. And they really sort of guide you through it and kind of hold your hand to begin with. And then the more you progress through it, the more comfortable you become with it. And you get sort of super users like Ryan, who build up 200 day streak. So yeah, Ryan can sort of speak to you about the more sort of pro have all meditation packs they have on there yeah and i i actually want to bring up the fact that you you mentioned that they that they really highlight when you're when you're feeling impatient uh because uh, i had that same experience when i first started using headspace especially when i was going through the the basic courses they have uh you know they started off the those meditations at only like two minutes and then they upped it to like five minutes and ten minutes it's funny because once I once I hit that five minute mark, once I went past the first few basic courses, um, that five minutes, I felt that same kind of restlessness and that, oh, what am I doing? I'm wasting my time. This isn't going to help. But uh, they almost knew how I felt uh, and they brought that up. And what I realized is uh, uh, there is a reason for that, that feeling of anxiety and that feeling of being just restless during that situation. And it's because you're not used to listening to your own thoughts. And I think it's uh, important to realize that, uh, that that technique and that form of being conscious of what you're thinking about is a form of self-awareness. And you really need to be able to be self-aware to develop yourself as a person and develop a mindset that you don't have uh, in this current moment. You know, as you want to evolve your brain, it's just like when you go to the gym. You can't you can't go to the gym for five minutes a day and expect to grow grow your muscles, right? You can't expect to go physically in, in that same aspect. You know, you can't expect your brain to grow if you don't specifically train it to do what you need it to do. And so, if you want to be self-aware, you have to teach your brain to be conscious and self-aware. Uh, and so that, that feeling of impatientness is the same thing as if you were going to the gym and you're like, well, you know, I went to the gym for a week and why am I not swole yet? You know, why can I not lift 300 pounds yet? You know, you have to realize that you have to take baby steps to become self-aware and become conscious of what you're doing. Yeah, definitely. Definitely. I think in, in my mind, the, the way it works is you have to start with that principle of mindfulness and then through that, you can gain increased self-awareness. And then through that increased self-awareness, you have more self-control. And that's kind of the the, traje- uh, the kind of progression for me, or that's how my experience has been. Um, and I want to caveat what Josh said earlier. I'm, I'm certainly not an expert on mindfulness or, he- or headspace or, or anything like that. Um, I'm not. And um, I, know, I know a lot of people have built up streaks of, of years and, and kind of a lot longer than, than my time. Um, but I think also the point is that it's not about the number at the same time. I think although Headspace and, and these kind of apps are gamified to the point where you know your streak, you know what little badges you've had and you've got little reward videos, that's just to keep you coming back. That's kind of on the design, that's the UX stuff. That's not really how the principles are trying to teach you. So. I'm quite detached from that. So Josh mentioned that, that I kind of achieved a very high streak, but then at the same time I fell off of it. You know, I, I've, I've come back from university and, and I've fallen away from it and I'm not beating myself up about that. I'm just sort of 
going with the flow. I, I went I went a couple of weeks without meditating at all, probably even longer. I, I don't know. Um, but now I'm I'm just starting to get back into the flow of it. And I think as much as you should treat it as a muscle and a skill, it's also something, you know, you're spending your time with yourself and there are a lot of benefits to that. But at the same time, if it's not working, it's not working. And for me, it just, I fell out of the routine. It didn't feel right anymore. And I, instead of pushing through that barrier, like, like you mentioned of that restlessness, it was a different kind of barrier for me. But instead of resisting it, I just said, okay, I'm going to let go for a while. And, um, and that's absolutely okay. I think it's, um, everyone has their own practice with, with meditation and, and mindfulness. And, um, that was part of mine and that was a big part of it. You know, I think at one point in the early days, I was thinking, right, it's all about that and not end number, but sitting where I, where I am now, it's, it's not all about that. Um, but then at the same time, there is a level of awareness that you can get to having done a repeated done a task repeatedly, um, especially on consecutive days for, for so long, where you do start to get insight into yourself and, and those sort of things are, are really beneficial. So we're definitely back headspace as a, as a tool to um, become more mindful of, of, your, of yourself and your surroundings and be able to relate to others better. And I think that last question you had there, uh, or that last comment leads to the, the perfect question that I was actually gonna ask you. Uh, do you feel that as you lost that meditation that you began to replace that meditation with another sort of routine because you mentioned that you know it's okay to lose something like meditation but i feel in my personal life that i don't always have to meditate to get that same feeling of of self-awareness and that consciousness uh, that i can do it through just having a general routine or having some sort of a thing that i can consistently do because it leads to me uh, looking more into the details of what I'm doing. Do you feel like you did, uh, like you replaced it with something else? Mm, yeah, it's interesting. I think I wouldn't say I replaced the feeling. I think you can only, or at least for me, I could only repeat that feeling of, you know, that immediate post meditation sort of peace or, or night euphoria in a way. It's quite a, a peaceful feeling um, with meditation. I don't think I could replicate that. But for me, I sort of transferred the principles around labeling and noting and visualization, positive visualization, and, you know, the sort of techniques that Headspace kind of teaches you, being able to sit in silence, those kind of things, just transferring that to other parts of the day. So I would be more likely when I get up to just stare out of my window and not look at anything for a minute or for two minutes, you know, rather than sit down and meditate, I'd be more likely to be more mindful about how my food sounds in my mouth and how it genuinely tastes instead of shoving it in whilst I'm looking at my phone. You know, those kind of tweaks to your daily routine that I felt began to not replace, but re replicate the feeling in, in a smaller way. Um, yeah, I hope that answers your question. I love that. And I think, you know, I think what we've really highlighted as well, just by sharing our experience of, of the whole meditation uh, is that actually and one of the big things for like the younger generations as well is, is just sitting still and just being in your own thoughts for a little bit is kind of a scary concept and, and something that people feel very trapped by. But actually like it's some it's the most, like you said, euphoric, freeing, like it's one of the best experiences you can have 
um, if you just sit down and try it and give it a go, you know, um, I think there's a real big misconception among among those younger among the younger generations, particularly um, that, that it is kind of a very restrictive or trapping things. But if you speak to anybody that's done it, um, like ourselves, has been through it, it's like it's totally the opposite. It's such a such a great experience and develops that self awareness, which again freeze freeze you self in your daily life as well just in the fact of like eating that was a great example yeah no 100 percent. i think it's it's also a tool that if applied to overthinking to bring it back to that it's as much about reducing the level of overthinking that you have as it is accepting the overthinking that you do because everyone's going to overthink. I think the whole personal development space is very reductionist in its approach. And actually meditation is almost an antidote to some of that reductionism because it's not just about taking things away. It's about just looking inside and accepting what's there. And that's the same principle when you are meditating is that you're just sitting there with your thoughts and your thoughts come and go. Um, you know, that the analogy that Andy Puddicum, the headspace guy uses is sitting at the side of a river and you just watch what's flying by. And I think that's the same thing with overthink, overthinking to, to use that analogy again, the river is just flowing faster and then it will start flowing slower again later. If you remove yourself as that sort of external participant within your, your mind and, you, and your thoughts, it's a, a different perspective that um, changes your attitude to accepting that you're going to overthink. Yeah, that's some huge value right there. That's huge. That's that's, that's amazing. That was a great. I saw I saw Josh's little clap as well. Just to appreciate that. <laughs> Unbelievable stuff, Ryan. And I think also that when when a man loses a two hundred day streak and just says he's just going with the flow, that's when you know he's a truly enlightened being. And <laughs> enlightened being. I love it. I love it. Oh, good. And so the final kind of topic that I want us to chat on and discuss is. Um, this idea around linking overthinking and perspective i i think this is just a, a huge huge topic you guys brought up um uh, the two percent mentioned in the article they mentioned Eckhart Tolle um great guy so got some great books out there as well one of our previous guests right at the very 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 start um a guy named Brian Dunkel he brought him up um as well and brought his books up so you can, if you want to hear more of his experience on Eckhart Tolle and the whole mindfulness stuff, then go and listen to that podcast. But um, I wanted to talk on that, just us, about perspective related to kind of overthinking, because that's been, for, for my experience, I'll just share mine real quick. That's been a huge, huge thing for me um, in, in the whole overthinking stuff. I used to overthink so, so, so much, like just a crazy amount. And it was so restricting. Um until I gained the perspective of actually, you know, those little problems, issues you think you have are actually just really not a thing. Like if you just choose to release them and let them go, oh my God, it's so freeing and you don't need to overthink them. And actually the technique I use for this, I still use it to, to, to this day. Um, and, and it's something I just realized when, when I did it. But around here in California, we're blessed with some absolutely beautiful kind of viewpoints, um, some that are particularly really, really high up. And I, I always found that whenever, whenever I went up a mountain, whenever I hiked up somewhere and I was kind of just above a lot of what was going on um, in the day-to-day, -day, you know, you're above your city, you're above your town, um, you're looking over a big expanse of space. 
it gave me just the perspective of kind of how small I actually am in this world and how little my problems matter. And once you take kind of once you view life from that point of view, then it's like, well, it's actually really freeing because, okay, yeah, I am experiencing some some struggles here and there in my day to day and I can work through them and speak to people about them, whatever it is. But in the grand scheme of things, it's okay that they're there. And that whole thing that Ryan, you were just talking about in terms of, you know, meditate, we take that kind of reductionist approach. But actually meditation is also about looking inside and just kind of accepting what was there. That's what that really gave me. It's just like, okay, yeah, these things are here. And these are problems and issues that I'm facing sometimes, but the the emotions that I get caught up with them in my day to day are actually not not too important, and I don't need to place too much emphasis on them. So that was my experience of kind of just gaining perspective on um, on kind of overthinking and, and my issues with it. But what what's been your guys' experience, and and how have you developed that perspective around overthinking? I'd like to actually go first on that. So. Uh, speaking of that same metaphor they use of just, uh, you know, looking down at a city and uh, seeing how, how big that city is and how, how minuscule you can be in comparison to that city, that same way, uh, that same kind of perspective can actually be brought into your, the way you think and overthinking, you know, when, when you take that outsider perspective and you start to be conscious of that overthinking and what you do, it's the same kind of idea. You realize that there's so many so many possibilities and so many things that can occur. But when you start to look at it, you know, if you if you look at that city and you stare at it and you're like, wow, look at all these buildings and you take the time to look at every single building and look at the details of every single building, you'd be up there staring at that city uh, forever, you know, for years to come. Uh, but with that being said, you know, you have to take in the city as a whole and look at it and observe it and be happy with it and then move on. And then that same way, you have to kind of look at your thoughts and you have to not not be stuck in the nitty gritty of what you're thinking and be able to just look at your overarching thoughts and look at what, what the bigger idea is and why these thoughts are occurring. You know, when you if we go back to the article idea of that interview, you know, you, you don't want to be stuck in every single possibility of every interview question you have, but rather you just want to say, okay, I'm going into this interview and this is my goal. So I'm going to achieve it by, by just going in and doing the best I can through this situation and being prepared by knowing my strength, knowing my weaknesses, knowing uh, what, what the role is that I'm going into, but not thinking of every single question. What if they ask me this situation or what if they ask me that situation and I don't know how to answer it. So, you know, you have to, you have to take a step back from the detail to stop overthinking. And I think one little thing that just popped into my head as well around my experience with overthinking is, is really not trying to cut the branches of the problem, but, you know, get into the root of the problem. And I think if someone's listening to this and, and thinking, I, oh, I really struggle with overthinking, um, I think it's important to bring up that overthinking is often a symptom of anxiety. And if you've, um, if you've really struggled with overthinking and never really thought of anxiety or yourself as an anxious person, that is something to definitely look at because someone like myself, you know, I don't have anxiety, like panic attacks or any sort of major symptoms, but there's certainly, you know, mild symptoms of anxiety and, and overthinking is definitely one of those. So I, I just say that because if you sort of Google overthinking treatment or, you know, help, like there probably won't be too much out there, but if you sort of go back to anxiety and realize, again, it's a bit of a self-awareness thing. Oh, this is what I'm prone to. Um, you might find some more help out there for you. Yeah, I say that. I think it's all about recognizing patterns then, isn't it? And, and that sort of, sort of whether you can, um, 
see what's repeatedly something that you're thinking about over and over again, you know, to kind of recognize your own overthinking. Cause once you've recognized it, you can, can deal with it. Some, some thoughts on, on perspective. Um, I think perspective, there are going to three key areas for me that, that leap out through, through my experience perspective, through recognizing what you can and can't control. And that again, refers to what I just said. Um, perspective through, infinity which i think is the sort of general sort of looking looking at the city looking at the, at the horizon looking up at the sky kind of seeing yourself as part of a bigger picture um rather than being sort of withheld within yourself almost to to think of um not just oh, i'm the author of my own story and this and that but how you don't affect others if you see actually that others affect you and you affect others, but also there's a much bigger world outside of you. That's very freeing and perspective as mortality as well as the final one. I think it can be quite a dangerous and, and hard place to be when you consider that you might not be awake tomorrow or, or your family might not be or anything like that. And it can be a morbid place to, to be and think as well, but it's also the most liberating in that actually it forces you to take risks. It forces you to understand what you believe in, what you want, what you care about and act towards that as soon as, as soon as you can. And so understanding your own mortality and the finite nature of life is, is again, another sort of perhaps more profound way to, to look at perspective and use it as a, as a tool to help you do what you want to do. For sure. That's yeah, that's massive. That's a massive part of mindset. And I think Josh, I really like what you said about kind of people, if they're, experiencing that and it might actually be anxiety and i would i would really love for people just to send like dm email send in a video whatever it is if people are going through something like if they feel like they're stuck on their kind of mindfulness journey or they're they feel like they really have an overthinking problem or something i'd love to hear from you we will keep you 100 percent anonymous you know we respect that that kind of privacy but we'd love to hear from you and perhaps we could just at one point go over it on on instagram or something and we could just bring up these questions that people have and we can share our experiences from our journeys we can get some other people in um on it maybe some more experts in the field and get them to speak on it because it would be really nice just to hear from people and he hear how they're actually experiencing this topic like how is overthinking affecting their daily lives like what 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 impact does it have and and how they're overcoming it so definitely if anybody has any questions or they want to just talk on and comment on this topic then write into either um uh either the two percent podcast or us here at the gen z and we'd love to hear from you and we can we can collaborate again and and answer these questions but i think for now for this for this week's discussion this week's chin wag we've we've spoken enough about it i think this is a great topic there's so much to discuss about it we've only kind of just scratched the surface but i'd love to continue this conversation like i said um Join us this week for the interview podcast that will be going out on Friday in two days' time. And then, like I said, we've also got a bonus one coming out on Sunday where you can meet our brand new team member. Um, and we also, in this uh, in this podcast, we spoke about uh, mindset and uh, meditation a lot. 
and that's actually going to be next week's topic um, we've got some experts in the field in that coming in to do the article for us and to come in and speak about it as well as interviewing them later on in the week so really excited for next week and what that has to deliver so definitely stay tuned and and listen in for that um, but without further ado i think we'll we'll finish as we always do cheers, cheers. 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 cheers.